0: Tonight we had this huge reading, and just before you switch off, I'm going to, please try not to, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do tonight. First thing is we're going to go, what? What was that about? So, so we need to kind of go, what, first. Then we're going to look at it and go, what can it mean for us today? What are some of the things we can take from it? And then finally, we're going to rest in the absolutely fantastic news that is in this passage. Okay? So should we just pray as we look at this together? Father, your word is outstanding. And God, would you grow us here to be a people that are leaning into your word. God, thank you that we don't just make up our faith on our whim, but you've given us your word and you've given it to us in the person of Jesus Christ and in this written book that we have that you've powerfully speak to us through your spirit today. And so, Lord, we're expectant tonight that you will come and you will speak to us through your words. And so, Lord, we just invite you to come by your spirit to be in our thinking and our pondering, to even be in the bits where we we drift off, to be in the bits of conversation we have with you in our head over things we've got going on in our lives. But Lord, we just pray that as we dwell in this, we would hear you and understand you more. To speak to us tonight, we pray. Amen. So firstly, what... (laughs) What was that reading that was just read to us by Maggie Um, so beautifully? What is going on? Well, just a couple of things. Ezekiel was a prophet. Prophets used poetic language to speak. And prophets of that time, often they were speaking, well, they were, they were speaking to their people in a language their people would understand. And about things that God was going to do or doing or not long to do. But also with these prophets that have been captured in the word of God, there was something in what they said which also speaks of what's to come in the future. And so this is poetic language. And just very, very quickly, verse 17. Have a look at that, verse 17. Anyone put off by that? Just just saying, you know, um, any women in the room slightly offended by how this prophet is speaking about the female body? I was. I was. Like, oi, shut up. (laughs) Um, But it's just really important, isn't it, to to remember that this is a prophet-poet speaking to us who's taking poetic license and using language in a very particular way. Now, it's really important to understand that at that time, Israel, the people of God, had rules and rituals over bodily cleanliness, and they had rules for men, and they also had rules for women. But the reason that Ezekiel has picked up on a feminine image here is because the nation of Israel was described as feminine. And so he's just using that because what he's trying to convey is a message to them about them as the people of God. And the message is this. Just like a period doesn't last forever, And the annoyance of it doesn't last forever. So God's judgment isn't going to last forever. Okay. So he's using that sort of poetic uh, language. All right. So. (laughs) What now is going on in this narrative? Like, where are we in the Bible? What's going on? If you just turned up tonight, you might be like, what is going on? So let me just try very uh, quickly, as quick as I can, a bit of um, background. So. Basically, back in Genesis chapter 12, God is looking over the earth and he finds a man of faith. And what pleases him about this man is not what this man can do, not where this man is from, not what kind of um, status this man had, but what pleased God when he looked at this man was his faith. And that man, if you know your Bible, is called Abraham. Abraham. And so through this man of faith, Abraham, he promised that he was going to raise up a nation. And boy, did that look precarious because Abraham was ancient and couldn't have children. And you can go back and read the story. But eventually he has a child. And out of Abraham, he forms this nation, this nation Israel. And he promises in Genesis chapter 12 to make the nation great in order Order that they will be a blessing to the whole earth. He wants a people that are after his heart, that are going to demonstrate to the world just who God is. And so he made them his image. Aaron, can I just borrow you for a sec? Okay. Um, just a little bit of silliness tonight, just to break it up. Um, so, Aaron, I just want you guys to pretend, it's got a big, big stretch. Aaron has decided to make me in his image. Um, so blessed. Yeah. See, so some like serious things are going to have to change. Although I'm doing all right. The We've greens, got green jumper and black bottoms. Not doing too bad. Um, but I need a little bit of help. Um, facial hair. I'm gonna have. Okay. Wish I had hair that long. A bit more in his image. And then, and then, you know, this, this is going to appear. And suddenly I'm going to be amazing at this. <laughs> um, okay, that, that will take. <laughs> um, so there, yeah, Israel were meant to reflect God, but not what God looked like. They were meant to reflect God's character. They were meant to love as God loved, to welcomed others in as God had welcomed them, to care about justice in the way that reflects God's justice, and to care about mercy, and to be merciful in the way that God had been merciful to them. They were meant to reflect God, and that was God's desire for them. That's what they were designed to do. And do you know what, folks? Israel, at its best, did that really, really well. There's this lovely story in the Bible of the Queen of Sheba coming to see this great nation. And when she gets there, she is blown away because she discovers a nation of kindness, of order, of prosperity for all the people. She found a nation of blessing and it drew her to contemplate the God that these people worshipped. And you see, that is just what the Lord wanted to happen. But of course they mess it up, don't they? Just as we mess it up today. And the image of God in them became marred. It went wrong as they turned their backs on God and they stopped reflecting their image bearer. And it went bad for them, but it also brought God into disregard amongst all the other nations. Now imagine for a moment that you are kind enough in your heart to just open your home to someone to come and live with you, right? And you welcome this person in, and it's going really, really well at the start. You know, it's good fun, they, you've got good mutual respect, you're getting on really well. But after a few weeks, things begin to change. They start just leaving rubbish all over the place. Um, they spill ketchup all over the cream carpet and don't even bother cleaning it up. They spill red wine on your other carpet. They're just, just, just getting messy and horrendous, and then it gets worse. They start being antisocial to your neighbours, swearing at them, being rude, kicking the bikes over in the street. they just... Their behavior is just getting worse and worse and worse. And then they start throwing wild parties. And um, sorry to those parents in the room with students that come home. and um, They start throwing wild parties. And the music's up really, really loud. And they just go crazy. And they have no respect anymore for you or your home. And after a while, not only is this difficult for you but it's causing your reputation amongst your neighbours and those around you to go to ruin. And so you have to do something about it. And as much as it pains you, because you've tried all the other options you can think of, as much as it pains you, you have to go, I'm really sorry, this isn't working out anymore. And so if you look at our passage in verse 18, that's basically what God does to Israel at this point in history. He's like, it's... not working out and it doesn't give God any pleasure to do this but for his name's sake, he chucks them out and he pours his wrath upon them. Why does he pour his wrath? Have a look at the verse. He pours his wrath upon them because they have shed blood and they have worshipped idols. Now, in Ezekiel's time, the worship of idols was completely tied up with sexual immorality. Two things that God intended to be precious, life and sex, had been made cheap by his people. And instead, they become characterized by violence and by sexual chaos. And you see, just because they were his chosen people, it doesn't mean that they get to escape God's judgment and so at this point what we're reading in Ezekiel is that they have been judged and they have been sent into exile they are scattered people at this point and everything looks really bleak and along comes Ezekiel with his messages and there's good news coming there's hope to be had even in this situation you see God's got another problem Although he's disciplined them and he has judged them, they're so rebellious. Verse 20, have a look at this. They go out into all the other nations and continually to profane, like continue to profane his name and show disregard in all those other places. So we'll get back to that in a minute. But let's just turn and look. Well, what on earth can this story mean for us today? And I just want to pick up a couple of things. Firstly, it's God's holiness. This passage teaches us a timeless truth. It teaches us that the most wonderful thing that can happen to anyone ever at any point in history is that they see God for who God is. And the whole book of Ezekiel is shouting out, Look, God is amazing! Who else is like him? No one. And you read it all over the whole of scripture, this message. Look, God is amazing. He speaks and storms are sealed. No one else is more powerful. He laid down his own life. There's no one more loving. He keeps his promises. There's no one more faithful. He creates created beings who are creative. There is no one more creative than him. And the Bible sums this up as God is holy. He is set apart. And verse 23, he wants the world to know that he is holy. He is the Lord and there is no one like him. And you see, the best thing that can happen to anyone is to clock this something of God. I get the huge privilege of seeing it in pastoral ministry all the time where someone just suddenly goes, God's real. God loves me. God's so big. I can bring my really big things to him. God is here. He is holy. And you see, the problem in Ezekiel's day is that people were not getting to see that because of Israel's behavior. And this is why sin and why God's people messing up is so serious. You know, someone um, comes in here on a Sunday and they're not welcomed or they're, not, and they're kind of ignored or, or they come in and they see us not treating each other very nicely. If we clock that, I think most of us would go, oh no, we don't want that to be, like that's not us, we don't, we don't want them to see that, we want them to, you know, we want them to see good things. Oh darn it, we missed that person, we wish we'd welcomed them better. We'd feel a bit upset about it, I think, most of us. But do you know it's worse than that? Because it's not so much what that person who leaves our building thinks of us. It's what they're going to think about our God. Maybe God's not very welcoming or God's not very kind. And you see, that's why the stakes are so high when we sin. And it's serious. And I don't know why, because in, I've preached a couple of times today because we're, we're tracking the same series at the moment and across the gatherings. Um, and in the other gatherings, I just feel like God highlighted something completely different. But for some reason tonight, I just feel like, and it, it might be for me, but God wants to highlight this point the most. And maybe it's the most uncomfortable point of the talk But the stakes are high and our sin is serious. And we're so eager as preachers to tell you that God loves you. That we so often don't dwell on the fact that our sin is serious. But you see, when we clock that, it becomes a a trigger for us to lean in to our relationship with God, not away from it. And we're going to just kind of see that a little bit as we we kind of end uh, towards this evening. You see, God is merciful and God is kind, and we're going to land with that and see it. But the stakes are high, and our sin is serious. But the other thing I want us to just take today from this passage is this. Um, When I thought about doing this passage, it was quite a while ago, um, and I didn't know that we would be watching the conflict that we're seeing in the Middle East. It is an awful conflict. And I just wonder, just as a pause, if just for a moment, um, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? Because could we just pray together just tonight? And we've been doing this in our gatherings uh, across... um, Our Sunday services today, Father God, we're just standing tonight because we know that although um, this conflict in some ways is so removed and miles away, we are living a time when this conflict is happening and many others in our world. And Lord, we want to stand and we want to cry out to you because we long, long, long for it to end. We long, Lord, for a good, right, true, great, long-lasting political solution, Lord. We long for peace in that region. And Father, we are horrified by all the different levels and all the suffering that we are seeing. God, would you teach us this week just how to respond as your children in prayer, in thought, and where we're able in action to And we pray particularly for our brothers and sisters in Christ, our Israeli and our Palestinian brothers and sisters in Christ, that you in particular would be doing a move by your spirit in them, protecting them and helping them in this horrendous time. Amen. And i just to take a seat. I just want to note that in this church community, we do have... Palestinian and Israeli members of our church community here and um, I've been whatsapping the few of them that there are on a fairly regular basis over the past you know period of time just checking in and wanting to pray and wanting to send my love obviously and thinking about them and they they've known they know people that have died and this is real for them really real and really personal And you know, I was blown away when I've had a couple of WhatsApp texts back sort of saying something along the lines of, now I am a Christian, I have to love my enemy, and I'm finding this hard, but I'm asking God to help me. And you see this passage that we have in Ezekiel is about people coming back to a God who can change their hearts and deal with their sin. And if we really want change in our lives, in our world lives, then all of us on a regular basis need to come back to God. And ask him to teach us his ways, to give us his heart, to bear his image. And folks, there really isn't time tonight to go into the sort of different Christian viewpoints on the state of Israel post-Christ resurrection but before Christ's second coming and I know that there's some disagreements and different theological perspectives on that I have my own I'll happily chat to you afterwards if you're wrestling with that but what I'd like to really encourage you as God's people particularly to go away and just read again Romans chapter 9 to 14 and just dwell in that and learn and take what you can from that but what I also want you to do is to hold on to the really big headlines that we have in scripture and the headlines are this It doesn't matter who we are or where we're from. We are all going to stand before God's judgment. We are all in need of these new hearts. God has come to welcome all the people of the earth home. And one day he is coming again and every single land is going to be made new. In Christ, it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. And one day, those who have not turned away from God, those who have persevered will sit on the throne with Jesus and there there will be people from every tribe and nation and tongue ruling with Jesus Christ over this new heaven and this new earth. And that is what we're praying for. That is a big headline. That is what you're invited to wherever you come from. And you see, there is hope because when we see the Spirit of God working on people, just like he was working on the person that was sending me the WhatsApp messages about, I need to love my enemies, we see transformation. We can have hope because we see God transforming hearts and lives so let's just dwell then as we end in the good news of this passage i wonder if you could have a look at me at verses uh, 22 to 38 at the end and just worth clocking this Um, It is for God's, verse 22, it's for God's namesake that he's going to act and he's going to restore Israel. He is going to bring um, them back to the land and he's going to sort us out um, and sort us out eternally. Um, It's for his namesake. Now we need to know God's not like um, really needy, like, you know, big up my name, like I'm really needy. Can you all just like give me some love? It's not what he's doing. The reason is that we're in the mess we're in in the first place because we've lost sight of who he is. We've lost sight that he is wholly other, that there is no one else like him. And it's because we've lost sight of that that we get led into messiness. And there's some of us tonight, and I encounter myself amongst you, where we've become sometimes a little bit too familiar with God. We've just shrunk God down to my little good luck charm on my shoulder, who I might just say help to occasionally when I need something. God is holy, other. That's why Moses takes his shoes off of the burning bush because he is holy. And it's when we lose sight of that often is what draws us to messiness. And you see, God's plan is that he is going to show his name again through his people. And um, I don't know about you, but I was looking at it and going, God, that's a really risky plan because I uh, mess up very regularly. I am flaky. I am all over the place. I sin. I get things wrong relationally. I just, God, seriously? Is this the plan? And I look at your church and God, really? This is the plan? He's like, yeah, really. It's my plan. I'm going to work in you and through you. And I'm not finished yet. He's not finished with me yet. And here's the hope. Do you see in verse 22 to 38, do you notice there's not a trace from God of get your act together? Not a trace of that. And if you look at those verses, can you see there's not even a trace of come on, try harder. There's not a trace of that in those verses. Not a trace. Do you notice what is there? He says, I will. I will. You see, there's so many things where you think, I've got to do something to get right. God says, I will. And very quickly, and I think I've got a slide on this that can come up if it's there. But here's the good news. Verse 24, I will bring you home. You're going to be no longer deported. And this is God's promises to us as we come into relationship with Him. Verses 25 and 29, I will clean you up. You're no longer defiled. Verse 26 and 27, I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Do you look at that? Look at that. It's a spirit in us that will help us to obey God. And verse 28 to 30, I will deliver you. You will no longer be disgraced. Isn't that amazing? And we have hope because it's not us that can do that, but God. God, who works in us to do that. And for his name's sake, he will do this in his people. And so it's a great thing to take with us as we leave tonight. It's a great prayer, Lord, for your namesake, would we worship you again as we should? For your namesake, God, would you help me reflect your image? For your namesake, God, would you bring the prodigals back home again? For your namesake, God, would you help us to be holy like you are holy? For your name's sake. And so we pray. And it's a great spur to pray. And God is at work doing this all the time. There's this beautiful um, verse. I will bring to completion the work I've started in you. And we can make that a little bit easier or a little bit harder, just depending on how stubborn we are. But either way he's doing it, he will bring it to completion in you. So why not Let us ask him tonight, carry on that work, Lord, in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Shall we stand together? Let's stand.